till we couldn't shake no more. We got down on our knees when cancer knocked at our door. We got kicked in the ass. We gave lots of sass. Oh, when it rains, it falls into this half full glass. Oh, thanks, cancer. Thanks, cancer. Thanks, cancer. Victories in the dark. Hi, I'm Mimi Hall. And I'm Leanna House. And you're listening to Thanks Cancer. We are two cancer friends. And we're not doctors. We're not nurses. We're not shrinks. We're not psychics. We're not shamans. No. And cancer's pretty hard, too. I mean, cancer's a little hard. You might hear some swearing words in the episode. Ben, we hope you'll enjoy it. This is the podcast we wish that we had when we were going through our treatment. And we are live. Right. So, Lena, how are you doing today? You know, I am not doing great. Um, This week, I found out that last month, one of my uh, First Ascents friends died. So she was on this free cancer camp that I went to with First Ascents, and she was one of the other cancer patients. We had the same diagnosis. We were both breast cancer, different types of breast cancer. She was inflammatory breast cancer. Mm. But we had a lot of commonalities. Mm -hmm. Like, she is exactly my age. She, like, we kind of work in the same field. And she was no evidence of disease on our trip. Uh, We were surfing, like, so physically active. And she came into Boston to have dinner with me. But in August of last year, she was diagnosed with metastatic disease. And she died in the middle of March. And I just, I, this is my first person who's close to me who's died of metastatic disease other than like my mom this is like first person post diagnosis and like it really hit me hard because i hadn't like you always get the like what ifs and like maybe i should have reached out to her earlier or you know i noticed that she had posted something on a page that like i hadn't responded to mm-hmm. and i feel bad about that and why am i here and she's dead mm-hmm like I don't I don't understand there's something about someone being the same age as you and the same diagnosis as you too that sounds really close to the bone yeah that sounds like that's extra close like for this to be the first one and to have it be like so near to your own experience that's got to be a little extra layer and I have her haircut now like she oh that's well I mean, we all have the same haircut, but like <laughs> at a certain point, that's already like, dark. But it's, like, it's just no. But you, but the the point is, you feel like you're very much like her. She, you guys were a lot alike. Well, I, you always wonder, like, are you next? And right, and that's something. It's it's something that I struggle with about being part of the cancer community. I think writ large because it's like when you connect with that, you also get scared by it too, right? Yeah, I mean, you. People are going to die in the cancer community at a maybe higher rate than other friend communities. I So I had my uh, annual meeting with my oncologist, who I have a lot of respect for, a lot of respect for. And I've been having a hard time. I've had a lot of things coming at me, and I've been feeling some existential angst. And just like, why did we do all of this work? What for? When it could just Spend be all, all of this taken money. apart. And... Mm-hmm. My doctor closed, you know, after going through some of this with her, to a point. 
she closed by saying, you know, you do a lot for the cancer community and that's great, but maybe you just need to try to forget about all of this. And I thought, you know, wow, that's radical. It's not something I'm used to hearing. And I thought, God damn it, if that's not a lot, you know, there's a lot of sensibility in that too. Because if you're constantly seeing these things and being reminded of them, it's almost like you're still visiting the cancer ward in a way. Well, I, that's what we talked about in our moving on episode. Right. Exactly. And I had some people talk about like moving on versus moving forward. And I'm like, I don't know that we're making those granular distinctions. And right. like, there's no roadmap. There's no consensus of what any of that means. There's no, there's no signposts that tell you how far you've gone or haven't gone. And no, we've been talking about this and... I, but I do come back to my doctor's no-nonsense approach, which is kind of 1950s and wonderful in its 1950s-ness, which is just get on with it. <laughs> like, just just stiff upper lip, Just try to forget on. about this for a little while. See if that works. If she, I mean, she was very clear. She's like, if it's feeding you and making you feel better, great. But if it's not at some point, just stop it. Just move on. Forget about it. And I think that's that's really refreshing, too. Because other, you know, we've, we've both observed some people who are really still, like, screaming into the void very oh, loud. I have I have a lot of people online who have so online world is not like the real world. No. And it's there's much more shrill. It's so much more shrill. Outrage gets rewarded. Everything else gets falls by the wayside. And Twitter specifically is a really rough town because mm. there are so many people with so few followers, if any, and like they're screaming into the void. They're asking questions about cancer treatments. They're they're looking for support, talking about how alone they feel. And no likes, no shares, nothing. You're just, you're talking to yourself. Mm -hmm. You're talking to the uncaring, unfeeling universe. And that just reinforces this, like, why am I here if you can't Mm -hmm. even have a conversation with anyone? It's been interesting, too. One of the things that I've come across a lot, and this is one of the things that I've been feeling, this desire, and I know you felt this, too, of, God, I, I want to leave my life. Now, this is not suicidal, okay? No, it's, a, it's, it's very not, different. It's not as active as suicide. No, it's actually much more, like much more strategic in a way of like, I just want to close down this life fully. It's like, we've already closed down for the season. Can we just sell the house, pack Mm -hmm. up the furniture, close it down and start the new life? I think I'm going to move to St. Louis. I could just disappear. I could disappear to Mallorca. Sure. (laughs) Sure. You've talked about Puerto Rico too. And it's, you know, and it's, I do think that there's almost, it comes off as impulsiveness to some people, but I think for those of us who've been through it, we kind of understand like, wow, we've had to adapt and be so nimble and so quick in adjusting our lives to this very thing that helped us get through the acute phase is now very much turned on. The acute phase is over. Our support system gone, exhausted, fatigued, yeah, in well, remission. And your <laughs> medical team isn't there anymore. So you're losing some scaffolding that you had. And now you're weaker than you've ever been. You're rebuilding your life when you're not completely well. No, you've been through so much. Like you are not in a normal state of mind. No. Like fuck old normal, fuck new normal. Like there is no normal here. Right. And you don't even know where that set point is for your new self. Like I think one of the things that's so important is to let go of your old self, embrace the new normal. Okay. Good luck finding that set point. (laughs) It might take a few years. And these actually are going to be a few years where you might be dealing with some health issues. We all talk about some issues with digestion and insomnia and all of these other things that very much affect your mental health, too. Well, and this 
feeling is universal across cancer patients. People who've gone through treatment. Across people who've gone through treatment. Mm -hmm. This is a very common, like, why am I here? What am I doing? How do I justify my life? How do I leave my life? And again, not in a suicidal way, but just I want to like pack up my bags and head off to St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Find a new future for myself with my straw hat cocked on it. <laughs> Hey, I am from the country. I'm you're going to take a right bus. In. You're going to take a bus that you're going to catch on a dusty road. <laughs> Go to St. Louis. I love- Oh, I'm going to do one of those pods. You know what? I probably don't have enough for a pod. I would sell all of this stuff. I'm like, what stuff do I really need? It's me and my books going to St. Louis. Just need a couple of suitcases. Me and Nellie hanging out. So yeah, no, you have a lot of escapism, (laughs) escapism. So you have strategies that helped you through the acute phase of diagnosis Mm -hmm. that are no longer helpful. And it's like you start eating yourself. Well, you also had in that time too, when you were going through your diagnosis, your treatment, you usually had people around you. You had your doctor appointments. You had, you also were just, again, you were in that survival mode. I think you were in that fight or flight. It was really serious for most of us during that time. And also dealing with side effects too. And yeah, dealing you have, with a cloudy brain. You had no time to think about bigger questions and now you do yeah the very same doctor um very same oncologist who i love i mean i I really love and have so much respect for my doctor she's great she told me in the middle of treatment that when i looked back this all might seem like a bad memory or a bad dream and does it yet I think if I can find my stasis and my set point again, I think it might feel a little... Part Parts of it are starting to, to go a little hazy around the edges, and I appreciate that. Like, parts of it are fading a little bit, and I appreciate that. So my question is, does the set point exist? Because I feel yeah, like... I don't know. Through this treatment process, like, I've had to change my set point myself so much in response to these different aspects like is there a set point I I think there is a set point but you've got to find it it's like okay I think we've talked about this before but you know how your body resets itself normally every seven to ten years you go through a complete cellular regeneration yes well it all just gets sped up with cancer and so just like you always have to find like oh my new way of eating when I'm 27 versus 14 do you know what I mean or whatever like you've got to find these like different times in your life where you're going to have to adjust suddenly when you go through something like cancer treatment you've got to adjust on a dime like you've got to go you're like a tesla you have to be able to go from zero to 60 it's like it's like barrel racing right you've suddenly had a massive amount of changes in a maybe one to two year period so finding your set point is just going to be that much more challenging and you're going to have to dance fast. And a lot of times your environment has turned over. Like you have new friends, your old friends have fallen away. Like how do you know what things you need to create your set point? Like yeah. how do you like accumulate the the things that are going to be fuel for your rebuild instead of tearing you down? Yeah, I think for people, I mean, I've definitely looked outside of myself more than I do now for external guidance. And I realize now that that measurement device is askew. Yeah, that that is not going to work. You have to, like, you were the only one who knows what you've been through. You're the only one who can transform. Like, you are the only one that can 
do it. It's just you. It's always true, but I think it's especially true after treatment because again, that rapid turnover in life. It's again, it's that rapid turnover. And I do think that cancer patients are probably, we were talking about this before the show, um, before recording, about how cancer patients might be uniquely well-suited for this role because we tend to turn over quickly. <laughs> we have a biological predisposition to to, to create We things. are constantly spreading. We're creators. <laughs> we don't know how to stop. <laughs> A lot of willfulness. I um, mean, poison, I guess. Yeah. Cutting stops you. Also life. You know what I mean? And also yeah. life. And I feel like, for me, my goal right now is to try to find a way to best channel that to feel joy. I mean, I'm trying to really get clear about that. And it's really hard after having gone through some tough stuff, too. Like, it's just hard. It's hard to know when to stop. It's hard to know when to start sometimes after stopping. It's hard to know where to spend your energy. Yeah. Because... I don't know what's going to make me happy. I don't know what's going to lead to my new set point. I don't know what's going to lead to my new normal, which I hate that phrase. It's fresh fuckery for me all the way around. It's you have to, that's all within you. I don't know. It's a solo journey. It is a solo journey. And you have to, you are a judge, jury, and executioner. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's really... It just, it does, I'm just constantly coming back to this question that's underlying all of it. It feels like the sky to me right now is why am I here? Because it all, we all have this question, right? But it really gets a spotlight put on it when you've gone to the brink, you Mm -hmm. know, especially after you've gotten news like your friend who went right over the brink. Yeah. Okay. You got pulled back. She fell over. We know that could both happen to us. And can it happen seems, to anyone. Can happen to anyone. It seems so random. It seems it's so scary. It's so unpredictable. Like, what does anything matter? Why am I here? Why is she no longer here? Why should I go to work? How many more days do I have left on this earth? How many more years do I have left on this earth? Should why I save I, for retirement? Why am I rebuilding relationships when, like, I could be dead in six months? Yeah. And who do you want? to have in those relationships becomes such a more precious question too, right? Yeah. Like there's a whole sorting out process. You got to fucking Marie Kondo your life and be like, is this person sparking joy? Dude, this could be my last weekend that I have that I don't have a diagnosis. Do I want to spend it arguing with someone about fill in the blank? About bullshit. Right. Fill in the blank. And you have to figure out what is bullshit in your life and what is not. And that's different for everyone. And what's worth fighting about and fighting for, I think. And what's worth just having a sense of ease about. I mean, I think that's changed a little bit for me. You know what I mean? I think I used to align my career much more with my morals and my values. And, like, I'm fighting the good fight. Now it's like, honestly, I don't want to fight every day. I don't want to fight anymore. I'm fought out. I'm all set, thanks. I fought for a while, and, you know, I there it is. And now I'm fighting a lot more for myself because I need that energy, you know. Yeah. And that's been a shift, you know, to go from a more outlook to the world approach to a more inward to the self and having to take care of the self thing. That's been a shift. Well, as I've been dating, I came to the conclusion that, like, I don't want to be building someone else right now. Like, I need to be building myself. I need to be, like, listening to myself. And I need to make sure that the me that I'm rebuilding is has all of the me parts in it and not any of 
other people's parts of it. That you're not entwined. You're entwining your personality with someone else right now, especially when you're in a formative stage of rebuilding. Like, there might be better boundaries in the future to do that, but, like, in this immediate, just out of the treatment egg stage, it's almost like you're a teenager again, right? Yeah, you definitely are. You need to be careful of who you're hanging out with. I think that's really... It's like you're rebuilding your microbiome and you need to be careful about what you introduce. I feel it's the same way with people. It's your environment, And don't fall in with the wrong crowd. Oh, yeah. They could lead you to weed. (laughs) The good ones will lead you to weed. (laughs) Like weed? Like smoking weed? I'm like... I grew up Mormon, so that was like the worst thing we could have done. Ooh, the devil's... And, you you know, drinking coffee. Now, I didn't know this until meeting Leanna that, like, it was actually caffeine was off the menu for Mormons, too. I did not know that. So that's an evolving thing, because the actual scripture says hot drink, which is, in various times of Mormon history included like soup you could only drink like room temperature soup oh my gosh but you could drink cold like potum or like weird caffeine derivatives and it's only like what about iced tea so this is why like they've like what the scripture actually says and Mm -hmm. how it's been interpreted through the years Mm -hmm. is like totally wacky and depending on where you're at because when right, they, there's a whole trajectory of more... I mean, I get it, but where would your family, like, would you guys drink any ice cream? Oh, no, 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 no. So you just wouldn't buy... Like, you no. would drink other things. Yeah. Right. Water, milk. Water and milk were the two primary things. And Kool-Aid. <laughs> oh, my God! Wait, Kool-Aid makes... That makes no sense whatsoever. That... Okay, yeah, wow. Okay, There's a contradiction there. We're in the weeds. Um, existential okay. angst. If anyone ex- understands it, it's ex-Mormons. Well, That's okay, so in the end, in. much like Mormonism, I think instead of protocols, let's just put out our questions. Because I'm just left with more questions. I have this. so many questions. <laughs> Apropos so, of the theme of this conversation. So what's your first question? I think the first question that I have is, why am I still here? It's written across the sky. Yeah, why, why am, am I, I still here? here? And I'm just, I'm not, you know, I asked this question. I probably asked this question, like, why am I here a lot before I got diagnosed? And now... That question is turned into, why am I still here? It's once a day. Uh, At least once a day. I'm, like, thinking about my purpose all the time. I think about the small things. I think about it sometimes, like, um, I thought about scuba diving, where you get into the water and you kind of look at the whole big picture. And now as I'm going further through this experience, now I'm starting to look at maybe the smaller things, like the life around the coral reef. And I'm trying to think about, oh, well, maybe it was that interaction I had with the person on the bus. Or maybe it's just the energy that I'm putting out into the universe. So I'm trying to get more micro to find more satisfaction in... Uh, or fr- to frankly find answers to that question of why am I here seems to be helping me a little bit this week. Okay. Well, for me, it's do I need to even be asking that question? Do I even need to worry about building meaning or justifying? Because for me, it's a lot of how do I justify the effort that I went through, that other people mm-hmm. went through, that the medicine, the treatment, everything do I need to justify my existence? Right. Like, do you even have to ask the whole question? Yeah. Do I even have to create meaning? Like, isn't my existence enough? Isn't my present enough? And I think the answer is yes. And I think it's a process of really feeling that every day. Well, and... And I'm not there yet. But that's, I think, a goal. That's the goal. Is to just not 
I think that's a good goal. I think that you can't, like, I cannot change how I feel. Mm -hmm. Like, those feelings are beyond my level of conscious control. But what I can do is change what I do Mm -hmm. or change my environment sometimes. Like, there are things that you can change to kind of get around the fact that you can't directly affect your feelings. Right. I think that we need to retailer our lives after this experience. And that's what you're talking about, like taking it in here, putting it in there. And also, I think when I hear those words, too, like, do I even need to ask the question? I think that's something that my very wise oncologist would get on board with, too, is just be like, no, you don't need to ask that question. Keep moving. Just forget about it. She's 1950s. She's I core. love her. I love her. She's 1950s with space age technology. I love her. I Retro futurism. No, she's and she's not 19, but she's she's very smart. I mean, I think she also knew the right advice to give me too. I think she dialed it in like her like her targeted therapy. So I she, appreciate her. She tailored it to you. She's your like personal prince personal cancer yeah. tailor. Yeah. And then I think there's another question that that's that you and I have both touched on and we've talked to other patients with this too and it's a real mystery for me and this is dialed in too is like why do you and I both share a desire to like run away to Spain specifically? This is so weird to me. Spain is I we have talked to several other cancer patients who also want to run away to Spain. And I get that we're self-selecting and like it's not like it's not like Leanna and I walk around with like real Madrid <laughs> You know, Real on. Madrid. Yeah, whatever. See, I'm not even that into Spain, but like I want to go there right now. So go messy. Okay, um, you know why I think Spain? Yeah, why? Here's why I think Spain. The history of Spain is a history of conquest, like a lot of Europe, mm-hmm. but it was one group trying to come in and take over and push out everything else. So the Christians and the Moors is mostly what it was. And it went back and it went forth and it went back and it went forth. And and the Jews in the middle. And the Jews. Jews, Oh my God. And it was bloody. It was fighting. It was war. It was disasters. And Spain is now, I mean, they have problems like everyone else, but is now Mm. a lovely place with like integrated this history into their identity. So you can go and see Mm. a a mosque that has a Catholic cathedral inside of it. Right. And being able to integrate and take the good things from all of their history, all of their communities, Mm. and cohere it into this whole it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, there's poetry and analogy between the cancer experience, too. I mean, I can see it. It's, yeah, I think it's, it's there. It's like, yeah. No, I, I get it. I totally get it. And I've also been very attracted to going back to India, too, which is a similar kind of sort of funky environment, a little bit more extreme and colorful. But um, it's no, I think that's totally right. And I, I we were just having a conversation with a survivor today before this podcast who made the same comment about the different layers and the wars and the battles field and that was unprompted by us too this person had never listened to the podcast i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure he didn't either yeah and it was really weird leanne and i both kind of looked at each other like here's spain again (laughs) hey i think i think spain has the cure i'm gonna go there i'm gonna move i'm super excited for you well anyway (laughs) come visit no, I, I I will. I love it. I love Spain. Um, <laughs> okay, one of us has got to move to Spain. Figure so, out so what maybe, the maybe we will finish is. with the protocol, which is to those people who are still looking for themselves after cancer, you haven't found it. Maybe Spain. 
Yeah. Maybe Spain. Look into it. Yeah, look into it. It's yeah. beautiful. It's beautiful. And in the worst case, if you even know you find the answers there, you'll have some nice food. You'll get a tan, maybe. Yeah, and the sun, the dry air. Yeah. Beautiful history. It's great. Beautiful water, too, if you're by the sea. <laughs> well, thanks, Spain, and thanks, Cancer. Thanks, Cancer. That was our episode. Thanks for listening to Thanks, Cancer. If you guys enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you would give us a review on iTunes or Google Play. And you can find us on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook at Thanks, Cancer. And please, we'd love to hear from you your stories. Your protocols. Exactly. Advice that you have to share with the community. So send us your audio files at info at thanksCancer.com. Well, the traffic stopped you lay on the horn and you ask yourself, where is my cancer unicorn? But we're at the gate with your cancer card. We're your passport Cause cancer's damn hard Oh, thanks cancer Thanks cancer Thanks cancer Victories in the dark <laughs>